Happy Easter. He is risen. Uh, let's try it again. He is risen. Okay, it goes, He is risen. You say, He is risen indeed. He is risen. All right, now let's you guys rise and we can sing together. Come on, church.
Hallelujah. Go ahead and have a seat this Resurrection Sunday. God bless you. If you are visiting with us this morning, thank you, thank you, thank you for choosing to celebrate Easter. And for some of you, it's been a while. I haven't seen you since Christmas, so it's great to see you. We are happy to have you here. I'm Pastor Eric, and we are the Mount Zion Church family, and we are just happy to have you all here and everybody there online as well. Happy Easter, happy Easter. Just a couple of announcements. Number one, this Thursday at 6 to 7 o'clock, we had our Thursday night summit. This is a time in which we just get together and we pray for each other and we love on each other and, and we just spend time praying for the community and other needs. It's an hour, a sweet hour of prayer is a good way to put it. And so uh, that will be this Thursday. And then on, in your bulletins, you'll notice that uh, Wednesday nights, beginning April 19th. Now, we still have our regular Wednesday night Bible studies that we do have here at 6 o'clock till 7.30. But uh, on the 19th, we begin something called Experiencing God. And where's Anna? There you are. Can you run that promo? Or promo? The promo for me? The promo. <laughs> Of all of the truths that's found in this book, from Genesis to Revelation, the one that seems to stand out clearest is that God speaks to his people. In Genesis, he's speaking. And in Revelation, he's speaking. And in every book in between, God is speaking. How then does God speak to us today? Whenever God speaks, it's God's invitation for you to come to know what he's doing and to become involved with him so that he can accomplish it through you. in church life or in this country isn't so much about church attendance or finding the right church or or how you dress or how you look or what songs they sing or what preaches it's knowing the word of god that is the biggest probably weakness we have in christianity right now is christians don't know the word of god and so this is a great time one of my favorite things i've always said is a changed life really only happens when you meet with jesus personally when you have that personal encounter with god and uh, it's more than just moses on top of mount sinai this is a great series that will help you in having that personal experience and knowing god so i encourage you to sign up for that also this friday we are blessed that we get to go into uh, pioneer elementary school we're going to help with their school dance with their uh, concessions and stuff we have a sign-up sheet in the lobby if you'd like to help us out with that this friday uh, we're going to meet at the church at 4 30 and then uh, the event is just 6 to 8. And uh, it's been a while since I've been to an elementary school dance. So I'm, I'm going to bring my video camera. That's all I'm saying. So I, I, I look forward to that and helping the school out. Also, the seniors are over 55 group at the, the 20th. April 20th at 6 o'clock downstairs, they will be having their potluck, which I believe the theme is Italian. 
Hey, it did pretty good there, huh? Cool. Is there anything I'm forgetting, Miss Anna? Jimmy, am I forgetting anything? All right. Well, this is the time because we already ate and we have donuts in the lobby. So we have a saying here at this church where if we don't eat, we don't meet, right? But we already had our food. So now it's time to meet and greet one another. So to help you out with that, we have a timer that goes for five minutes. So if you could take five minutes and go ahead and meet and greet one another. Sorry, I forgot to announce that the children's church is dismissed. If they're going to children's church, it's right downstairs with Pastor Jimmy.
so much for paying such close attention to the clock. I so appreciate it. I know you never do. You never do. They don't care. They just don't care. Good to see you all. I want to take a moment, thank, I know uh, Eva wasn't feeling well, but I want to thank Eva for all of her hard work and keeping things clean and decorated. I want to thank so many who helped with this morning, uh, Lionel and Russ for helping up up at the top of Mount Zion. We had a beautiful sunrise service up there. Steve did a great devotion up there. Uh, Thank you to Pastor Jimmy who took all the kids downstairs, but he made breakfast with my wife down there. And and Pastor Anna, she's done so much work. Thank you to all of you uh, for making Easter weekend happen. We have a lot to go this morning morning. I'm excited. I really am. Uh, I, I believe God has a word. You know, it's, it, it's, it's always so much more fun for a pastor when you get to hear from other people. And we're going to hear from uh, personal stories today, and I'm excited about that. Uh, one, I'll, I'll tell you one quick, quick little personal story about giving. Um, I, I, I got into uh, really a bondage, if a chain around my neck when it came to tithing. When you're on a staff at a church, I was a young youth pastor, and I had just started in the ministry, and my pastor was, you've got to give that 10%. And I really felt like I was going to get fired if I didn't pay that 10%. I got worried about it all the time. And and then we had two children and bought a house, and then one of my kids needed an MRI. And I mean, those expenses were killing me. And and uh, I was getting pulled in the office because I wasn't given the full 10%. You're not. Blah, 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 blah. And I just felt like God can't help me with my money. God can't bless me with my money. God's not going to bless me because I didn't give the full 10%. And I got put on this thing that, so if, if I do tithe, then God can bless me. And if I don't tithe, then God can't. Anytime you say God can't, you're in trouble right away. You're in trouble. And so I lost the joy of giving. I lost the, the feeling of, I get to do this. The privilege that we get to worship God. And it took a wonderful pastor in my life, Ray Noah, who uh, took me in his office when I had moved to a different church. He goes, what is wrong with you? <laughs> he, he said, listen, man, I don't want you to give for three months. And then you come back and you give what God tells you to give and you give it joyfully. And that season taught Debbie and I the joy of giving. And so I encourage you this morning, whatever you give to God as you worship him this way, let it show that he's a priority and let it show that you can give joyfully. It's not out of bondage. He owns it all and he lets us manage all of his stuff. So I encourage you this morning, give what God tells you to do. That's it. It's that simple. So Father, we ask you to give us wisdom. We ask you to give us sensitivity to what you would have us do and then give us the courage and the faith to take that step. We ask you, God, to bless this offering and expand your kingdom with it. We ask you to give wisdom to our our board and our staff and everyone who, uh, who works within the budget, God, that we have wisdom in being good stewards of your money. I ask you to provide for those today who are giving sacrificially. I ask you, God, to bless those that have a heart to give, but they're just going through a season in their life where it's difficult. But Father, I know, I know, 
you will provide all of our needs. And we do that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen, amen. amen. Give cheerfully this morning. As we worship, I encourage you. Let's, come, let's, let's pretend like we never heard the Easter story before and someone just told you he's alive. Someone just told you that God who came in, in flesh, that he was killed on the cross, he was murdered, but now he is alive. And our Savior lives, and he turns graves into gardens. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet as we worship this morning the Lord Jesus Christ.
took my place.
Christ is risen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you went the whole way for us. Lord, that you went all that road to the cross, Lord. You took all of our pain. You took all of our suffering. You took the penalty for my sins and the sins of the whole world. Three days later, Lord, you rose from the grave and you're coming again. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we look for your return. We long for your returning. Oh, hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. We glorify your holy name. We worship you, Lord. Be glorified today, Lord, in this service, Lord. Anoint our pastor, Lord, to preach your word. Anoint us to hear, Lord God. And we ask all this in your precious name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise before you sit down this morning. Thank you, Steve. Thank you guys for your beautiful voices this morning. At least it sounded good up here. I don't know about the person in back of you, but it sounded good up here. God bless you this morning. I am excited about it. I always love hearing personal stories and testimonies, and we're going to hear from that. Easter's personal. Easter is a personal thing. We look at it as a national holiday. We look at it as these big things that go on and big egg hunts and bunnies and all that kind of stuff, which makes no sense to me. But, and, for, and we were just talking about and ABC always shows the Ten Commandments. I never got that either at Easter. I never understood that either. So there's lots of things that go on, and we've got to get personal about Easter. We've got to simplify it a little bit this morning. And so I want to use a phrase that I went off of really for today because we've all been through these situations where we can't go over it, we can't go under it, and I don't guess we have to go through it. We all have things that we have to make those choices. And sometimes it doesn't feel like we have a choice. There is no way around it. There's no way under it. There's no way over it. All we can do is go through it. And for many of us, that brings fear. Now, fear and I are very well acquainted. So much so that even as I say, we've got to go through it. I, and I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's a controlling issue. Like, I don't have any control. I have to go through it. Or it's just those things that, like, how about confrontation? You ever have to talk to a family member about something that you really don't want to talk to about, and so you just kind of put it off, put it off, put it off, and then all of a sudden it boils up, boils it up, and then it turns into this giant confrontation, and then you hated that, and then you got to go see him again? So maybe I'm getting too personal. Maybe I'll stop. (laughs) But I know this. These kind of fears, these kind of uncomfortable situations, they, they, they stir it up in us. Maybe some of you here and some online today have been disappointed by God. He's brought you into those situations where you couldn't go under it, over it, around it, and you had to go through it. Maybe you're mad at him. He took a loved one and you were counting on. I don't know what it is, but it's brought fear into your life. Have you ever been standing there, standing on the brink of something you knew was going to be hard, something that you knew might be painful, but it's impossible to turn around. Maybe it was a situation you saw coming for a a long time. You knew it was coming. I knew I was going to have to address this. Or maybe it was one of those unexpected medical diagnoses. 
or a job loss or some high stress in your life. There's no alternative available. Or maybe it was just broken relationships. Those are just a few of those things that create fear. And there are many people in this room who have walked through things that they had to walk through and they've handled it in different ways or they've handled it knowing God was there. And for many of us, that's our testimony. But instead of hearing it from me this morning, let's hear from Virgie Brooks this morning on fear and personal Easter. God loved me so much that he would die for me and would forgive me of all my sins. I've done some very painful, committed some very painful sins. And the second one would be healing my emotions, healing my hurt, healing my pain. I had a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, emotional hurt, emotional pain. And that resurrection means forgiving my sins and healing my emotions. Those are two things that will highlight for me what my Savior Jesus really did and what he meant, what it means to me. I, I can never... I can never praise him enough. I can never thank him enough. I can, I can never give. I want to give. I want to give and give and give. What I want to do, I want to give financially. I love giving financially. And because of what he's done for me, um, he has just taken away a lot of my pain and a lot of my hurt and uh, given me freedom to love more freely, to love other people more freely because of the absence of all the, the pain and the hurt. I think when I was 12 years old, I knew I used to, I knew I, knew I was raised up going to church and I knew that he died for me. He died for me. And, and I, was, I used to um, go in my closet and shut the door and just cry out to God and cry out to God in my pain and he just and no but knowing knowing that he's coming back again and i'm going to get to go to heaven with him and i kind of get envious sometimes if people die before i do and i want to go with him i want to go with him you know so you know when my when my mother passed away my sister passed away man i, I was grateful that they were not suffering anymore i was grateful they were not suffering anymore and I think that um, gave, gave me a lot of peace and it took away, you know, I didn't go through all the, the sorrow and pain that my other family members did because I was so relieved that they were not suffering anymore. And I think that's on me, you know. I won't be suffering anymore when I get to heaven. And, um, that, that, that to me, I look forward to that. I look forward to that so much. And uh, so I used to be so afraid of dying. And um, uh, when I was a little kid, about uh, 12 years old, there's a little girl at our church that died. And, and my cousin and I were carried the casket. And we had, to we had to stand beside that open casket during the whole funeral service. And that just, that just terrified me of death. I used to go scared of death. Until one day, man, 
No more pain. No more pain. I'm not afraid of going to heaven. I'm not afraid of dying. I mean, I'm not afraid of dying because I know, I know, I know. When I, when I go to heaven, that's the ultimate goal, ultimate prize. Amen. Amen. Virgie uh, has a million stories, and she's always wanting to get them out because she gives so much glory to God for what he's done in her life. When we are in those throes, those situations that are pulling us towards anxiety, pulling us towards dread, we get this fear, that these waves of fear, and they swallow us up quickly. Unless we're prepared to fight back. Fight back with something that's stronger than fear. We need more than a pep talk and Pepto-Bismol. We need more than just, you're going to feel good today. I need more than that. We need the hope. Of the resurrection. How does the resurrection give us hope as we face our fears and walk through these valleys that shake our confidence, our courage to the very core? To find the answer, we're going to look into Scripture, but I want to talk about what fear is and what it isn't and the purpose of it. So what fear is, is many of us, many times there's that, just that fear that comes off of anxiety. And what happens a lot of times, I like how this is worded. Paul actually says it in a different way in, the, in, in his word, but it's to borrow trouble from the future. To borrow trouble. To create fear where there was never actually any threat that was there. I know I've done this a million times. My wife would look at me dead in the pan in the face and go, why are you worrying about that? Let's take care of that next week. Paul says, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Today's got enough worries of its own. But I'm telling you, I borrow that trouble so I can use it for today. And I don't know why I do that. I don't know why I worry about things I can't control. It builds up anxiety. It builds up fear. Three common causes of fear is that, number one, loss of control. Finding ourselves in that situation that's just out of our hands. Facing the unknown. I don't know how good or how bad things will play out. This is where my wife and I balance each other out quite a bit. She will always think it's going to go. If there's an unknown out there, it's going to be good. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's going to be good. Here's another cause of fear. Knowing for certain that what lies ahead is going to be hard and it's going to be painful. You know there are situations that are just going. You're dealing with some pain. Many of us are dealing with some kind of physical ailment, but we have a fear of going to the doctor. So we live with the pain instead of getting it taken care of. Why? Because we know if I go to that doctor, he's probably going to give me a shot or something. It's going to be uncomfortable. He's going to want to, I don't want to do that. Sometimes we need to know what the purpose of fear is in order to conquer it. Fear can make us do some really crazy things. And how do we work around that? What, what does it mean? In some ways, when you think of the resurrection and you think of fear, what if both of those are very personal things, but so many times we separate the resurrection from the fear. But let's listen to Dennis's story and his take on fear.
You know, the resurrection kind of means two different things to me. Uh, the first is it destroys fear. Um, you know, for as long as I can remember, when someone dies, um, there's always someone that says that we don't uh, mourn as those who have no hope. And, and so we're not afraid of death anymore. And it's funny because uh, the older I get, the closer to death I get. I, the, I just don't worry about it. And uh, death doesn't scare me because the power of Jesus' resurrection kind of destroyed everything that Satan thought he was accomplishing by killing him. Uh, first of all, Satan didn't realize that Jesus died for, <laughs> for our sins and that his death was our success. Um, but then when he raised from the dead, it destroyed all the fear that comes with death because he proved that after our physical death, there's a glorious resurrection that comes. And so I don't fear death um, and I don't mourn like those who have no hope because I, um, I know that I'm going to see my father again when I go to heaven. Um, and the second thing that uh, it means to me is what I've already kind of uh, referred to is it gives me hope. Um, you know, the hope of eternal life is really what, um, what, what kind of drives me. And um, it's kind of funny because eternal life is something that when you think about it, life just gets drawn out eternally. And sometimes life isn't very fun. Um, you know, I've had a lot of tragedy in my life and uh, suffered through a lot of stuff. And, and, you know, I've thought about this. If this life got stressed out eternally, that would be really miserable. I don't think I'd want that kind of eternal life. But the kind of eternal life that's provided through the power of Christ's resurrection is a life without pain. It's a life without sorrow. It's, it's a life uh, without sickness. It's a life without relationship problems. It's a life without getting fired from your job. You know, it's, it's, it's a pleasant life. And so the hope that comes with Christ's resurrection is that because he was raised from the dead, then I get to be raised from the dead. And the life that I experience after death is so much greater than the life that I'm experiencing now that I don't fear death. Rather, I have hope that after I die, the power of Christ's resurrection allows me to be resurrected too, into a glorious life. So that's what the resurrection means to me. Amen. Amen. God has created us as emotional beings. We just are. Many emotions. We tend to classify our emotions. Some of them are good and some are bad emotions. Or at least some are pleasant and some are unpleasant. We have categories, but, but though none of us enjoy feeling of fear or the feelings of fear, it can actually be a valuable gift from God. But we have turned it into something that it was never intended to be. It gives us, for instance, the impulse to flee danger, to seek safety. It helps us when we think of the well-being of others. For example, when you get close to a cliff, 
and you know it's a 200-foot drop. You just don't go walking right up and go, hmm. We don't do that, do we? We kind of walk up like this. That's a good fear right there. That's a good fear. And then I remember when my daughters were turning like, like 15 to 17 years old, somewhere in that area, and they wanted to date. Um, and they used to tell me, because the, the rule was they had to talk, the boys had to talk to me first. And she said, but dad, they're afraid of you. And I said, that's a good fear. Don't ever lose that. Some fear is really good. Sometimes when you see your kid in the middle of the street and a car is coming, you want to scare him to death, don't you? You want to scare him. Get over here now! You don't just go, honey, please, let me explain to you why we need to move. We, we don't do that because we're afraid. So fear worked in, for example, fear of, of experiencing food poisoning allows us to choose safe food. How many in here have spouses that go, here, this, oh, this, oh, this is rotten, this, ter- smell this. I was telling my wife, why would I smell that? You just, you made the face and everything. I know, but I want to know if it's bad. I know it's bad. I saw your face. Those of us who have raised children, we want them to have a good and healthy fear. Because with no fear, they can have danger. They have danger to themselves and possibly the others. We also realize that fear left unchecked can paralyze a child as well and keep them from learning and growing and be willing to try new and good things. You know, it's funny. In that example, I think of my dog, Sierra. We bought one of those automatic food feeders. Now, for some reason, when you feed a dog, and I know this is not just my dog, when you open the bag, they go bananas. They hear the cup go into the thing, right? And they're out there scooby-dooing. You know, they're running. And I got this food feeder, this automatic feeder, and when it goes up, it goes, gee, 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 all the little nuggets going out, and it scares my dog to death. And she'll go running away from it and go sit on the bed and look at me like, look what's happening, and then she waits. And, then when, and you watch her, she goes, okay, it's done. And then she goes and eats her food. The fear is keeping her from getting the food sooner. And when we don't have fear in its proper place, it, it makes us make stupid decisions. And it can control us. Fear is a helpful tool, but a cruel master. Thankfully, we don't have to be mastered by fear. We can live victoriously. We can live with hope. We can live with confidence in the hope of the resurrection. We are never alone in this. God has has felt everything that we've felt. He's felt our fears and our anxieties and our loss. And yet he comforts us as well. Let's hear from Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna on the resurrection. So the resurrection to me, um, the first thing I think of is hope. It's hope. It's with the resurrection, that means that everything Jesus was talking about is true. Everything he said, everything he did, it all makes sense. It comes full circle. Um, 
everything from Old Testament, it's all the prophecies, everything the prophecies, it's all true. Everything that he was talking about, it, it brings it to life. It gives it weight. Without the resurrection, Christianity doesn't make sense. I mean, there's nothing... It allows us to be born again. He he has the power to come back, to bring the dead to life. So that means that we deserve death. We should be dead for all our sins, everything. We deserve death. But with Jesus, we can have life. And... If that's not love, I don't know what it is. Because I I had a father that loved me very much, very, very much. But I know our Father in heaven loves us a hundred million times more. And that's amazing. And I did nothing to deserve that. That's just something he gives. I can't explain. It's the resurrection. Uh, the resurrection to me, all I can think of is the victory that we all have won by Him dying on that cross for our sins. We gain so much by Him doing that. We get an eternal life in heaven with Him. My children get to have that life internally with Him, and there's no greater gift that could have been given to us is the love that in the what He shed on that cross for me and my kids and my future grandkids. I couldn't be more grateful for anything else other than that. Like that's the biggest prize you could ever receive in your life is that love that He has for us. Amen. I think you're hearing a theme. We can overcome our fears with resurrection hope. Sometimes with well-known scripture passages, we tend to skim over them many times, not even really thinking deeply about what is actually happening to real people experiencing actual events. That's why I like hearing personal testimonies. We need to bring it back to being personal. When you think of Christ's death, burial, resurrection... Take a moment today and pause and reflect on what actually was happening there. Friday, we had our Good Friday service here. And to be honest with you, it's not an uplifting service. Except for the fact that he took our place. And it's interesting how even his disciples kind of gloss over some of the things Jesus said too. And I know some of you are glossing over the things I've said. Some of you are enthralled in your phones. Some of you are thinking, where are we going to brunch? I mean, I know a lot of you have got other thoughts. But I just encourage you, you don't know. You've got a couple of things. I know this. Everyone in this room one day will die. Every single one of us. Will Jesus return before that? I don't know. Will it happen sooner than later for some of us? Yeah, for some of us, no. But you have a chance today to reflect and think about it. They disciples didn't realize they were only going to have Jesus for three and a half years. And after observing Passover, check this out, 11 of Jesus' 12 disciples follow him to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And you think if they believe he is the Savior of the world, and they've seen him heal lepers, they've seen him feed thousands, they've seen the miracles, they've heard from him, and, they've, and he says, listen, I want you to do me something, guys. I want you to watch and pray for me. And they went, okay, Jesus, no problem. And then they went and took a nap. They just glossed over it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just Jesus. He's going to go pray. I'm going to go sleep. They were unaware of the agony that Christ was going to experience. So alone in the garden, Jesus says in Mark chapter 14, he says, Abba, meaning daddy, father, all these things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is saying, okay, God, I get it. I get it, Father. I'll do what you tell me to do. Later that night, Christ was betrayed by Judas. And let me remind all of us in this room who betrayed Jesus in some way or another with our sin. The beauty is that we forget this little detail that Jesus loved Judas. Loved him. I've seen a, a, there's a great movie if you ever watch it on YouTube or Netflix, wherever. It's just the book of Matthew. If you're not a big reader, this is fantastic. It is chapter, verse, word for word, nothing taken out, nothing put in, extra. Just the Matthew. And in that scene where Judas betrays Jesus, Jesus holds him, his, his, hand, his face, Judas's face at the Last Supper, and just says to him, go, do what you must do. And there's so much love that Jesus had because he knew this was going to be bad. It was going to end not well for Judas. He loved him. Throughout that long, bitter, evil night into the gray hours of dawn, he was given a mockery of a trial. He was beaten beyond recognition. He hung on a cross between two hardened criminals at about nine in the morning. Christ hung there in this cruel tree for three hours when noonday sun suddenly darkened. As the world's sin was placed on the sinless Lamb of God, the one who knew no sin became sin. For three more torturous hours, our Savior, the very Lamb of God, he hung there on this barbaric cross, enduring the evil taunts of the jeers and the, and the crowd heckling him. They gathered, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Yet that was not the worst of it. The Gospel of Mark says in the ninth hour, about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If Jesus can feel that way, we can feel that way. Jesus, the Son of God, who had never known anything but a perfect relationship, a perfect oneness with his Father, suddenly is separated from him at his worst hour. But God had a plan. And this morning, if you feel like maybe God has deserted you in your darkest hour, remember this. He has a plan for your life. And it is not to live in fear and sorrow, but in joy and a life abundant. The enemies of Christ thought they had won. His body beaten, he was taken down from the cross into a borrowed tomb. His enemies heard enough what Jesus taught to remember that he said, oh, I'm going to rise from the dead. So they didn't believe it would happen. Not really, but just in case, let's put some soldiers out there. His enemies didn't need to be worried. At least not about the disciples. <laughs> How sad is this? 
It's not like the enemies, the Romans, had to go, oh, we better round up those disciples. We better get them. We better worry. We got to worry about them. They were worried about them because the disciples were nowhere to be found. They didn't understand all this stuff. As far as they could see, every hope, every dream they had was now torn from them. Imagine just for a minute how these disciples must have felt. Their dreams have turned into nightmares, not to mention they've got to feel guilty. John's the only dude who's hung around for during the cross. They had to have, knowing that they had deserted Jesus, or how about even worse, Peter denying Jesus. I mean, how is it all going to end? Think of your situation. How is it all going to end? In those moments, it must have been the worst thing they could have ever felt could ever happen. The one, the only one they knew who would have their answers. The only one the disciples thought they could go to for comfort and give them words of peace and comfort was gone. They were alone, confused, and fearful. This morning, this Sunday morning, That Sunday morning, do you think that they wondered, like, look at today, if it was like this, how can the sun even come out? Look what happened to Jesus. I mean, they could have never known in this grief and this hopelessness. Walking towards the tomb, they wondered out loud who they can help. Who are we going to find? We got to roll that tomb. We got the, the ladies wanted to put some spices and anointing oils. They wanted to take care of the body, and they're going. Well, we got to find somebody to move that stone. They were probably worried, having anxiety about it, but uh, that was not needed. How could they have ever known that? The stone didn't need any rolling away. It was already moved aside. There was no body to anoint. And the tomb was empty. The darkest days and nights of their lives had been given away to the most glorious, death-conquering, fear-defeating truth ever to be announced, which was said, He is not here, for He is risen, as He said. Hallelujah. That miraculous, victorious, powerful day changed those first century believers and it can change you today through the early church you know it had, through all of this it grew like wildfire it was accompanied by continued persecution though those believers had hope in that resurrection though no matter what they were what was happening to them the one thing that they had to have is their belief rooted they had to know what they know, what they know. You spend any time talking to Virgie, she knows that she knows that she knows that she knows. And that's the kind of faith you need to get through those unexpected times that you have to go through. There's no way around, there's no way on top, no way over it, no way under it. You have to go through it. You have got to have a foundation You've got to have a foundation that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. The first step towards facing our fears with the resurrection, hope is knowing and believing what is true. Let's hear from Stephen Laurie 
about that foundation. Our last couple. Romans 8.11 The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. That's just, that's amazing. It's so amazing. Yeah. So what's that mean to you? It means that it wasn't enough for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins, but He had to conquer sin and death and the wages of death is sin and he had no sin so he had to raise again mm -hmm. death could not keep him could not hold him so his resurrection is my redemption my salvation and i think it also is so important to understand that uh, it it totally proves the claims that jesus made because he kept telling his disciples over and over again although they didn't understand it many times uh, in the, the, the first the three years of ministry. He would tell him he's going to go to Jerusalem, be turned over in the hands of wicked men, he's going to be crucified, he's going to raise the third day. And um, when you look at the claims of Jesus, and even in the Old Testament, what it speaks of, of what Jesus would do, you have to come to a conclusion. He's either a, a mentally ill person or he's telling the truth. And like she said, the fact that he died for our sins but death couldn't hold him because death is the wages of sin and he had no sin. And so the fact that he rose from the dead like he said he would proves who he is. And it also gives us hope for the resurrection for ourselves that uh, death's not the end. You know, a lot of people fear death and um, because I think mainly because they don't know what's on the other side of it. But with Jesus, he is the resurrection. He didn't just resurrect, he is the resurrection and the life. So because he lives, we will live also. It's powerful. It's amazing. What a gift. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's my favorite part, Lori. Where she just says, what a gift. What Steve is talking about is, building that foundation of knowing the truth about what happened so that we can get through these things we have to get through. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6 says, After that, that he was seen by 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained in the present, but some had fallen asleep. We have the largest amount of people that saw Jesus at one time post-resurrection. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 19 that in the mouth of two or three witnesses let a thing be established. Think about our court system. Deuteronomy chapter 17 says whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Think about our court system and, and all the, the craziness we see in the courts today. But it doesn't take much, does it, to convict somebody. One or two witnesses that are credible this is over 500 witnesses. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of eyes on the resurrected Savior. And it should give us confidence in the truth of his resurrection. Now, there will always be people, always, and maybe some of you are here today or online that say, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. 
But the problem is, they never really want to dig into it. They never really want to get into the facts of how history is taught, how history is brought to fact. It is a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Our whole faith rests on our truth, that truth that Steve talked about. It is what makes Christianity different from all the other religions. Here are, real quick, and we'll wrap it up with four resurrection truths that I pray will cement into your heart this morning. The worst thing, first of all, the worst thing that could already happen, that could ever happen, already has. The worst thing that could ever happen already has. And here's the deal. God won. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The power of death has been broken once and for all. The same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in all of our lives here today. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, His weak human body died on a cross, but now he lives by the mighty power of God. We too are weak in our bodies as he was, but now we live and are strong as he is and have all of God's power to use in dealing with you. God loves me and will never abandon me. That is our second truth. Romans chapter 8, 38, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, the angels won't. All the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, where we are, how high above the sky or deep in the ocean, nothing will ever, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that he demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. We just looked at four incredible fear defeating resurrection truths from scripture and however knowing something is true is one thing but living that truth out in a practical life-changing way is another thing altogether this is the part of the gospel that we have failed for the last century here in the united states i believe knowing something is true and living that truth believing in god and believing God. You have to make a a choice in your life. If this book is really true, if it is, and you don't get to say, well, this part, I totally agree with eight out of the Ten Commandments. You don't get to do that. You either believe it or you don't. And if you believe it, and go do your own research, go Google historical, how you come up with historical facts. Go look at what the evidence is that the Bible is true. The problem is people won't do it because they don't want to know the truth. Mark Twain said it this way, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't know give me trouble, it's the parts of the Bible I do know that give me trouble. 
We have to live this faith. There are too many Christians walking around the world giving God a bad name because we don't live the gospel, the whole gospel that he's given us. So the unbeliever who may be here online today looks at that and goes, not a club I'm interested in. We have to live out the truth. By God's grace, I want to remind myself over and over again the truth that my God, that I believe to rest in the hope of the resurrection. A hope that defies all odds because God is more powerful than anything. I don't know how I'm going to get around it. Go up, down, round, behind it. I don't know. But I know I got to go through it. So I got to make a choice. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got to make a choice. Am I going to do it on my own? That's gotten me in more trouble than I care to ever do it. If God is strong enough to conquer death, and he is, then he is strong enough to conquer whatever fear is gripping our souls today. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that spirit is alive and well and working in the lives of this very day of his people. And nothing can separate us from that love. To overcome fear before it overcomes me, we have to do what, what, what most of everybody was saying in those videos. Anchor our souls in what we know to be true. Who my God is and what does he have the power to do? When you've got to go through it, you can overcome it with resurrection hope. However, when I let my mind move loose, my mind go crazy, fear is ready to master it. The promise from Isaiah is key in how to replace fear with peace. Isaiah 26 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Now what does that mean? The word stayed literally means to lean. When we lean away from our fears and lean onto Christ. You know, there is nothing better for a parent when you're sitting next to your kid and they just kind of lean on you. It, it, if you really, if you really, Jordan, I see that. I'm trying not to look at you. If you really think about it, it'll kill you. It'll break you because the love you have for her. God wants us to lean into him and his love for us. He went all the way to the cross for. When you lean hard on Jesus, you can walk through that valley of the shadow of death. You can fear no evil. Do you have a dark valley that there's no choice. You have to walk through it. You could take heart. There may be no avoiding that hard place, but you will never walk alone. And I looked up that word in the Greek and the Hebrew, that word never, and you know what I found out it means? Yeah, that's right. It means never. You're never alone in this. Stay close to Jesus. 
Trust Him even when you can't see Him. And you'll find your fears are conquered by the glorious hope of resurrection. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to close in prayer. But I'm going to do two things here. I don't want us to skip over two things. The first one is repenting of the way you've been living and turning towards the way God wants you to live for your best, for your good, for your well-being, for your eternal soul, to surrender your life to Jesus. I don't want to skip over that. So online, if you're there, I believe the Holy Spirit can speak to you as well at this moment. And in this room today, if you want to surrender, you just say this prayer with me. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Why don't we all say it together? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've made my mistakes. And I want to turn to you. I want to lean on you. I surrender my life. And I give you my heart. Help me, God, to do things your way. And the next thing I would want to skip over, if you're online, take a look around you. If you're in here, take a look around in this room. I want you to look around. Just look around. This church, we're not a mega church. We don't have 10,000 people coming. But we have good people here. We have people who love Jesus and love people. And when you belong to this kind of a family, you never walk alone. Too many of us are afraid to admit our failings, our fears, our weaknesses. Or we're afraid to reach out and help and give comfort and love. We don't have that confidence. But the Bible says that God gives every single person in this room, every person who comes to a church, you are a part of the body of Christ. And He wants to use you. You don't know today who watched you. Someone might have seen you today, heard you talking today. Maybe it was Virgie's message. Maybe it was Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna's message. Maybe it was Dennis's message. Maybe it was Lori and Steve's message. Maybe there was something you related to, and it's because God did not build Lone Ranger Christians. Batman had Robin. Come on, folks. The church, we need each other. I don't know how people go through it by themselves. And we love you here. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. That's okay. Nobody cares. We just want to bless you. And let me also remind you, for those who feel maybe you don't need to be at a church, we need you. The church needs you. You are needed. And God wants to use you. So get plugged into a church family. Father, thank you for today. Help us not skim over the resurrection hope and power. Help us to walk out of here today knowing there's a church family available. Knowing that there's a God I can lean into. No matter what I have to go through, I won't have to do it alone. Father, I pray for those that have been timid and fearful 
Maybe they feel like they've made too many mistakes. They've backslidden or whatever. They're not ready to do this or that. That's okay. You love people just the way they are, but too much to leave them that way. So God, help us as a church to just continue to reach out and love those that need to be loved. Help us to continue to lean on a foundation of faith on this entire resurrection is based on that, God, we can be there so others can lean on us and we can point them towards you. Father, I pray as we go out this week and enjoy the rest of our day today that you are on our hearts. And that, Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you just keep whispering in their ear that they need you and that you love them. And there is nothing to fear with God. I ask you to do this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. He is risen. Happy Easter, everybody. God bless you. I can feel